0: Now, Lord, I pray, come, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, that your word would be spoken and your word only received. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Sometimes the Lord asks really tough things of us. Got onto that a little bit last week, seeing that he calls us all to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, not that we're all Billy Graham evangelists, but that we're to be salt and light in the world and able to give an account for the hope that we have within it. That by the grace of God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our sins are wiped out, we're made right with God, released from the bondage of sin just by entrusting ourselves to Him. That essence of the gospel, we're called to be able to speak that, to give an account for the hope we have within us, but it's difficult for most of us, don't we? We find it tough to share that. We, We fear things in our culture of sharing the gospel. We fear rejection. It's not politically correct today for us to, to try to impose our faith on other people, and we don't want to look the fool, and all the rest of it is tough. But he, he asks us to do that. It's part of his word that we that we would speak the gospel. He asks us difficult things. He asks us to stay married to the same spouse for life, and, and to be faithful to that marriage covenant for life. And I'm don't hear me this morning, I, I, I know there are reasons for divorce, There's justification. There's, I'm not saying we have to stay in, in a, an abusive situation, but God's plan for marriage, to put it that way, is that it would be a lifelong union of husband and wife, and it's tough, not for any of us, I'm sure, for some it's tough, uh, 50, you know the statistics, 50 to 60% of folks give up on their marriages in our world, but he, he asks it of us, he asks us tough things. He asks us to give up our addictions. Uh, whatever they might be, those things that are uh, that bind us, whatever we're using to medicate, alcohol for some, or drugs, or maybe it's just something like spending, or pleasing people, or workaholism. Tough things to break, those addictions in our lives. But God asks us not to be enslaved to anything except to be dependent upon Him. I'm on about things that are tough that he asks us to do, because in our lessons today, particularly the Old Testament and the Gospel, we have God asking people to do really, really tough things, impossible things, virtually impossible, and the lesson, you can tune out now, you don't have to hear the rest of the sermon this morning, but this is the point, that when he calls us to do something really tough, he gives us what we need to do it. God called Amos to do a really tough job. Amos was not a priest, he was not royalty, he was not trained to prophet, he's a shepherd and a fig dresser, a vine dresser in a little town in Judah, which is Israel's broken into two kingdoms at this point, the southern kingdom and the northern Judah is the south, and they're smaller, they're poor, and that's where he's from. And God calls him to go north to the Israel, the bigger kingdom, the northern kingdom. It's a time and, and be a prophet there of God's word. And it's a time in Israel of great prosperity, both north and south, and a time of great immorality, idolatry, pagan worship, child sacrifice, a time of great wealth for some and great poverty for many, and the rich were exploiting the poor. And God calls this shepherd, this lowly fig dresser, to go north up to the northern kingdom to the seat of power and speak God's wrath, coming wrath and judgment on his people's sin. It would be a little bit, Becky and I have a, house, a little house in King Street, that's where we're living. It would be a little like God calling a poor dirt farmer from King Street to go up to Washington, D.C., to the seat of power, or may, or maybe Wall Street, if you like, and preach uh, the the immorality and of our nation and how we've turned away from God and, and the disparity of wealth, the unfairness of life, in the United, and on and on and on. And that's the job that Amos was called to, a tough job. And he got the same reaction that you or I might get in the seats of power in the United States. He was scorned, he was rejected, treated with contempt and ridicule, and finally banished. We have the account here. He, he, Amaziah, a, a, a top priest up in the northern kingdom, says, go home, go back to King Street <laughs> eat, your, eat your food down there. Speak to those people, but don't come back here. And Jesus calls his disciples to a tough job today in the gospel. He's, he's been doing all the ministry. They've been following around, but it's Jesus who's done the healings and the exorcisms and raised the dead and, and uh, calmed the storm of the word and healed the shriveled limbs and gives, gave sight to the blind. And they've, they've watched. They've followed him around for months. And now you picture this. He turns to them and says, okay, your turn. You go. You go and do this work. Preach repentance. Heal the sick. Oh, by the way, don't take anything with you. Um, you, you take a staff. If you don't need any extra food or extra clothing or no credit cards, no cell phones, and I'm not going with you, can you picture their reaction? This is tough. He's done the miracles. And this is pre-Pentecost. The Holy Spirit hasn't fallen on them in power for their ministry. He sends them out. And he told them there'd be trouble, there'd be demons out there and, and some people are going to reject you, and don't let it bother you, shake the dust off your feet, but go and do the work. Now, I said, when God calls us to do a tough thing, he gives us what we need to do. He gives us what we need. And that's true with Amos and it's true with Jesus' disciples. We'll start with the disciples. I said Jesus didn't really give them anything, but that's not quite accurate. He did give them something, didn't he? He gave his disciples the the same thing that God gave to Amos and to all of God's prophets. The same thing he gives today to his church. He gave them his word. He gave the disciples his word, the authority of his word for healing and, and driving out demons and preaching repentance. He gave Amos and his prophets his word. Go speak this to my people Israel and tell them, thus saith the Lord. He sends his prophets into tough, almost impossible places, and he sends them in loneliness and humility to speak against great power and great evil, and he gives them his word. Otherwise, they're unarmed. Jesus sends out the twelve, two by two, armed only with his word, to call people to repent, to tell them that there's healing and cleansing in the name of Jesus Christ and He gave them the authority of His word over the demons and to heal. My, and my point this morning is that His word is enough, it was enough for Amos and his prophets. Amos ended up in the seats of power, in, in Israel in the north. He ended up in the high places and His message, God's word got through to the leadership there, the priests, or the king, the kingdom. Now in the end they didn't repent, that wasn't Amos's problem. Remember, we talked about this last week. He was called to go and speak. God's word has great power, but at the same time, God, for his own reasons, gives us, human beings, the right to reject his word. And they rejected it, turned away from it. The word had power, and Amos wasn't responsible for the outcome. Jesus' word was enough for the disciples. They spoke repentance. They called for repentance. People repented. They offered exorcism from demons and demons were driven out. They prayed for healing and people were healed. The power of God's word. God's word is enough. It's always been enough and it'll always be enough. You remember how this world came into being according to his word from nothing. He spoke the universe, everything we think is real. He spoke it into existence from nothing. He didn't take a bunch of stuff and fashion molecules. He spoke. And Jesus Christ, Jesus is his word, his word incarnate, his word made flesh with enough power to save us, the human race, from sin, from death, by dying and rising again. He calls us to do tough things, our Lord does, but he gives us what we need to do what he asks, and that is his word. He gives us word. So what's he called us to do? His church, not just St. John's, but his church in general, his body of Christ on the earth, what's he calling us to do? Well, he's calling us to be faithful to him and to his word in the the midst of, well, in the midst of our own hearts, which don't always embrace his word. Maybe I'm the only one here that resists some of what God asks, but I don't think so. I think we all do. We have this thing in us which rises up. God says, do it. We say, no, no, I don't think so. And we live in the midst of a culture which is strongly moving contrary to his word. We're the, we're, what's ideal in our world is individualism. I'm captain of my own ship. I did it my way. You know the phrases. We have elevated our selfish desires and preferences over God's word. We've done that. Well, we did that from the Garden of Eden on, but we still do it. We do it in spades now. It is, it is admired. It is one of the values of our culture. Individualism and choice, freedom to choose, tolerance, of other people's choices, acceptance of any choice. Our culture, to be honest, has largely turned away from God's authority, from the rule of God, turned away from his word, his truth. Truth today is relative, isn't it? It's your truth and my truth. I've shared with some of you. My daughter went off to University of Michigan in college. She came back after the first semester and she said to me, Dad, I figured out what they believe. And I said, well, who's the they? And she said, well, you know, the university, the, the, administration the professors what do they I said okay what do they believe she said they believe there's nothing to be believed and i thought I maybe and i thought well, for this we're paying $25,000 a year but that's a picture that was 20 some years ago we haven't gotten any better as a culture and against all of that god has given his church his word the scripture it's our tool it's our shield it's the standard we're to raise it. it's the plumb line I love that phrase, this is Amos. God says he sees God holding up a plumb line. You know what a plumb line is, a heavy weight on the end of a string. You hold it up, gravity makes it perfectly vertical. And then you measure against that plumb line to see if something's truly straight or not. It's a metaphor, but we have a plumb line. We're given the plumb line, that's what the church has, the plumb line of the scripture, of God's word. It's that which against all claims of truth are to be measured. Now, if you're paying attention, you'd say, well, wait a minute, we have Jesus. <laughs> come on, Paul, it's the church. We have Jesus. So we don't just have the word. Yes, we do have Jesus. Absolutely. It's, he's the center. He's the, it's essential. But how do we know, you and I, who Jesus is, who he was, what he taught, what he asked of us? How do we know any of that? From the scripture. It doesn't come out of the air. It was revealed to us by God in his word. You say, well, we have the good news, salvation by faith. Yes, we do have the good news, and it's attractive to the culture. But how do we know the truth of the good news? Because it's in the Word. And you, if if you're with me now, you know that I've skipped something big, right? I've skipped the Holy Spirit. We're the church. We're Christians as Christians. We're infused with God's Spirit, God's Spirit to guide us and strengthen us and To bring to mind His words so that we can remember them and speak them? Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. But how do we know that something is really from the Spirit and not just a false claim of truth? If you've been around the Episcopal Church much in the last 30 years, you've heard the phrase, well, the scripture, that's the old stuff. That's an old book written a long time ago. We've learned a lot since then. The Holy Spirit is bringing us new truth. And if you haven't heard that, God bless you. But that's prevalent theology today. The Holy Spirit is revealing a new thing. How do we test any truth against the plumb line of God's Word? And that is the heartbreak of the Episcopal Church. I'm I'm sorry get on with that, but that's the center of what went on in the Episcopal Church over the last, I don't know, 30 or 40 years that caused this... Diocese of South Carolina to break away because the church, the Episcopal Church, laid aside very intentionally the tool that God gave us to reach our culture, the plumb line, the truth of his word. The word that convicts the world of its wrong direction, the, the word of God which brings repentance, the word of God that teaches us about getting forgiveness through Jesus Christ and reconciliation with God and being freed from bondage. The scripture says his word, it says of itself, his word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, it penetrates the human heart, separating soul and spirit, joint and marrow, judges our attitudes. Sets us free. Jesus said, "He'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free." And so, I'm going to end just by reminding us that God has called us to do a tough thing, to stand amidst what is a growing flood in our world, a a flood that's overwhelming the church that is away from his word and the power of the scripture. And we can do one thing, pray, but we can stand against that one thing alone, which is his word. So I leave with an encouragement to us to internalize the word of God why we have Bible studies, it's why we talk about it, it's why we read it three, four lessons on Sunday, because it is the core that we stand upon. We need it in our hearts, we need to be able to speak it in love. It's, it's not a sword that we go swinging at people with, it is a plumb line against we, which we measure truth. And we speak when we're called upon Lord in love, the word that he's given us to speak. Pray with me, please. Lord, I thank you for your word thank you for your love uh, for your church and for all the world that we might be speakers of the word that it would continue as we had sang Just now to be a lamp and light to the world around us I pray in christ's name amen, amen. amen.